Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. Alleluia, rejoice, for we are back. I know, we've been gone for a while. Yes. (laughs) Technical reasons and illness and life. Yeah, just, you know, mental health break, to be Mm -hmm. honest, for for me. Um, Life is hard. Yeah, indeed. I needed a bit of a break and then I thought it'd be great because I'll come back energised and then you got ill Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then... And then the computer broke. Yeah, the computer broke. But we are back. Yes, indeed. um, It has been nice just to kind of check out of like the podcast for a bit for me. You know, like I I haven't done the whole logging on and looking at stuff and, you know, the Radio Science has actually been good just whilst I kind of reattuned myself. Hmm. And I'm really, really happy to be back. I'm really happy to be back because we're talking about a really fantastic musical that we are seeing for the second time now. Yes. And that I love. Well, it was a long time coming the first time to see this one. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw it as a kind of spontaneous anniversary date. Well, so we were supposed to see it in the second lot of lockdown yes in the uk well with whippy goldberg we were supposed to see it initially in 2020 yeah with whippy goldberg and then again in 2021 Mm -hmm. with whippy goldberg and jennifer saunders jennifer saunders and then that got cancelled and then we did a spontaneous trip yeah for our um first year engagement Mm -hmm. anniversary yeah because i ditched you in disney the 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 three-year anniversary the month before yes you did uh, and get got covid from it so you know jokes on me really, wasn't it? <laughs> um but yeah you don't pass up an opportunity to see jennifer saunders uh beverly knight and of course keila settle when they come to london mm-hmm. you know those are three fantastic performers mm. So we had the chance to see it. And actually, we, we kind of like at the time, oh, should we do it as an episode? Well, no, we, we kind of decided, you know, yes, we love talking musicals, but actually, let's just go for fun. Yeah. So we saw that and had an absolute blast seeing it. And obviously, you can go back into the archives and you can listen to us talk about these Sister Act films. And I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk Sister Act with the rumours of the third. That would be amazing. Yes. We're going to talk a little bit about this, not as much as we usually do, because obviously we've seen it, but obviously it's always fun to talk about the kind of genesis of the show. And then we're going to talk about our experience at the new Victoria Woking in theatre, where we saw this and had an absolute blast. Yeah. I know, obviously, we have the the king of musicals. Alan Menken. Alan Menken. Yeah. As the composer for this one. Mm-hmm. And then the lyricist is Glenn Slater. Yes. Who I really like because he did the lyrics for School of Rock. And also The Little Mermaid. And the more well, the live... The stage show. Stage show, yeah. yes. Which, I'm going to say I like the music in the stage show better. Yeah. The soundtrack for the stage show better than I like it for the film. However... Obviously, this music for the stage show is augmented off of the... Yes, and he might have Alan added and some Howard. Of it, but this is it, but Alan is still involved. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and obviously they both worked together on Galavant, which yeah, we did, did watch season one. <laughs> did we ever finish season two? We didn't even start season two. We finished season one. We finished season one. Season two has Kylie Minogue running yeah, a gay no, bar. Yeah, no, I've definitely not seen that. Incredible. We watched season one, you and liked I really it. enjoyed that. Yeah. No, no, I really enjoyed it, and he they, they together they did Tangled. Mm-hmm. So, you know that the pair of them have kind of got, like, a really good working relationship here. So, you know that the music is going to be very strong. Yes. And Sister Act. Alan Menken, I watched a whole interview with him about Sister Act when it was originally coming out. And he talked a lot about how his favourite thing to do when he takes on a musical is to come up with a musical style for what he's doing. Yes. And so, for Sister Act, it's disco. Yes. Is what he wanted to use for the Little Mermaid. Or what did he say he wanted to use? Little Shop of Horrors. Well, there's that. That's, that's no, no, rare. but he he wanted this stylistic theming going through it to be Caribbean music. Mm-hmm. And he was trying Hercules to is gospel, style it. it. Hercules is gospel. Um, because obviously you've got the Greek chorus. Yes, and then you've got Hunchback is opera. Hunchback is an opera, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so he, he tries to do a different style of music with each uh, one that he's creating. Unfortunately, that does fall into the category of stereotyping with certain musicals, mm-hmm. specifically with like Under the Sea, I think in The Little Mermaid yes. is one that gets uh, critiqued quite often for being not a very good representation of Caribbean music. And, being a bit stereotypical. And it'll be interesting to see what Lin-Manuel Miranda does with the Little Mermaid music. Oh, you know, Under the Sea will just have a rap halfway through it. Yeah, but it'll I'm not be, saying it's a bad thing, no, but like... it'll be interesting to see how it kind of changes um, as we get closer. I mean, we've seen our first shot of Flounder. Wait, so I don't... Oh, Flounder upset me. And then um, I've seen Sebastian, who literally is just a crab. Which is good. Yeah, he's Because he's, good. he's he is a crab, Sebastian's yeah. a crab. Yeah. And not a lobster. A lobster. Which frequently I get into arguments with t- kids that I and teach me. about. But I, I didn't know that Manuel Miranda was doing the music. Yeah, no, he is. He's involved in it. The only reason and the reason he agreed to it, so he's writing new music for it, is well, what's because what's Alan Menken doing? I, I, maybe collabing with him, I don't know. But the reason he said that he wanted to work on it is because it's his favourite, and his one of his children is called Sebastian. Yeah, and he's well, like after the crab. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I, yeah. So he's what, cute, he's, but... he's he's agreed to write songs with Alan Menken for it with Alan Menken, okay. and he's co-producing the film. Yeah, and um, he and Alan Menken have been working on new songs for it. So it's four new songs that'll be attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he agreed to do it because, you know. He loves this this film and it has a personal place for him. So he wasn't ever going to pass it up. The book of this, which ironically we're going to get into the book of this and, and, and you know, talk talk about some, some Tony contenders. Mm-hmm. Bill and Sherry Steinkellner. Yes. Probably most known for Cheers. Not something sure, I've yeah. ever watched, but is that where... It's where Fraser Fra- comes from. Fraser yeah, comes so from. I've only ever seen episodes of Cheers that have uh, Fraser sort of crossing back over yes. into. But, yeah. 
they but they were the you know they they were writing the original iteration of Toy Story three back when um, Disney and Pixar were kind of on the outs and Disney were like well we're going to do this anyway with or without you and they announced that and it was like Buzz Lightyear being recalled so they had that and then obviously it never came to fruition but they also did a TV show that I used to really love Teacher's Pet for Disney so which you've just had to describe the the premise to me yeah of Teacher's Pet because I never watched it but I do recognise the picture of the dog yes so you've obviously got you know some very well established people working on this show and Whoopi Goldberg is also one of the producers of this and has famously starred in the show at times yeah sometimes planned and sometimes not planned because you told me there was one show where she had to go on as mother superior as like because like an understudy or the, the main person wasn't well and she kind of just went on with a script and that then led to her doing mother superior for real because she was like oh i want to do this which i think is very cool yeah and i think it's a really nice kind of like you know a way to get her in like it re- would really be good to see her as dolores which is who she was supposed to be when we had tickets originally which i was concerned about yeah because while whoopi goldberg is a good singer is she a capable enough singer for this and and i mean well so with the original cast of this when the show premiered in california dawn lewis was playing the role of dolores however when the show opened officially in london for its West End uh, debut, the role was being played by Patina Miller, who I love. She's one of the most incredible performers ever. She uh, was the leading player in Pippin in 2013, for, and she won a Tony Award for that. Yeah, I've showed you the clip of that opening at the Tony yes, Awards. She's just it's ridiculous. Great. It's like greatest show. Mm-hmm. Which, again, like, if we've got Pippin, we don't need the Great Showman, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, she was the witch this year. Nope, it's not 2022 anymore, is it? Nope, but oh. she was the witch in the She revival. was the witch in Into the Woods. And she's just an incredible, incredible performer. Yeah. So I saw all the clips and all heard all of the songs on the original recording from Patina Miller. So I'm thinking about her performance when they announce... Whoopi Goldberg and I was like hmm I don't I don't know that that's gonna work because one of the main songs in this show Raise Your Voice has these big belty moments yeah I don't think I've ever heard Whoopi Goldberg belt so I was a little bit concerned (laughs) however by all accounts and from all the clips I've seen she was very good so but it is one of the things, especially with the version that we are now seeing, you know, they've deliberately aged up their Dolores. To match Eddie. Eddie, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because Patina Miller looked very young. Yeah, and she was, I think, 24 at the time she did this. Mm-hmm. 
So obviously nowadays you could certainly not worry about Whoopi Goldberg doing it and maybe the music and the voice will have to be scaled back a little bit. Yeah. But they have established, you know, they are aging up the character, which is, I think, very cool. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Steady Eddie. Yes. Who... Originally called Sweaty Eddie, which yep. has now been changed to Steady Eddie. But if I mess up and call him Sweaty Eddie, I do apologise. Yeah. Uh, who in this version is played by Clive Rowe. Who we saw in... In the London, in London cast, London. yeah. So this is it. The bulk of this cast... That Clive we're... Rowe, for people who were around in the early 2000s, by the way, was one of the guys who ran the dumping ground in Tracy Beaker. So yeah. <laughs> that's how I know him. The the cast that we're going to have, that that we, we saw uh, at the New Victoria Theatre in Woking, is... Actually, the exact same cast, with the exception of the three I mentioned earlier. Beverly Knight, Jennifer Saunders, Keila Settle are no longer in it. But the rest of the cast are people who are in it. We've got uh, Sandra Marvin as Dolores, who we actually saw in Waitress a year ago. Yeah. At the new Victoria Theatre in Woking. She was Dolores for some performances in London anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, so she was the understudy. Leslie Joseph is now playing Mother Superior, but she was... Mary Lazarus. Mary Lazarus. Clive Rose staying. Lizzie B is staying as Sister Mary Robert. Mm -hmm. We've got Catherine Milson as Sister Mary Patrick, who was previously in Heathers. And yeah, so she's stepped up. Mm -hmm. Graham McDuff is staying. Jeremy Saccombe is staying. So it is essentially the exact same cast we, we will have just with some of the roles changed. So we still have um, Damien Bahagia as Pablo, Tom Hopcroft as Joey, and Bradley Judge as TJ, the the trio of mobsters. And uh, Tom Hopcroft... We'll we'll say it now. (laughs) So, Tom Hopcroft does not look like our friend when you see him as a normal person. However, in the costume and with the fake beard, I assume... It's and glasses. Yeah. He looks exactly like one of our friends. Yeah. He's Hi, like Phil. he's like Walmart Phil. Yes. And But it was so funny, we we're watching it and we were like We stopped being able to take it seriously because we were just seeing our friend performing in this show and doing all these dances and, and stuff. He, and it was just Phil incredible. went with us to the What's on Stage Awards as mm-hmm. well on the uh twelfth. Yes. So that was nice. He's a theatre person. We thought maybe he just hadn't told us about his latest gig. I'd pay such good money to see Phil actually in this role. This is the thing is because he is, you know, he, he plays that sleazy character just as well. You know, like I genuinely was like, oh, my God, it's the same person, which then prompted all of our, you know, our D&D group chat to be like, you know, when you say it, when you go out shopping and you want Phil, but you've got Phil at home. <laughs> you've got Phil at home. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it was great. But I think that's really good because I know going into this anyway that we're going to have a really good cast. Mm-hmm. And that's because the cast are, you know, a very talented group of people that were working on this last summer and have been touring it. Yeah. Now, one uh, of the historical Dolores Van Cartier's in this, uh, in the history of Sister Act the Musical. Obviously, we've had Cynthia Erivo, which was the first UK tour. She is now playing Elphaba in the Wicked movie. Wow. Alexandra Burke. Yep. And also, obviously, you mentioned Beverly Knight. But also, on Broadway, Raven Simone. Really? Yeah. That's How cool is that? Cool. I love Raven. That is so Raven. That is that is so Raven. Uh-huh. 
I, you know, I, I, I am very excited to see this one again. You know, we, we didn't have, we, we got some nice cheap seats up, up in the uh, grand circle, you know, and we, we had a good view. Mm-hmm. But we're in the stalls this time around. <laughs> yeah. And we do have a much better view of it as a result. Yes. One of the quotes that I found, I think my favourite quote from when the show originally opened in the West End is, frankly, what's not to like, especially when you've got a chorus line of jiving nuns singing their hearts out ecstatically. Which is great. Was there anything, so I guess before we talk about the experience of what we we saw and the, the version we are reviewing at Woking, was there anything that on the way you were cautious about was there anything that you remember not liking um i remember that when we saw it in the west end i'm gonna spoil this great joke (laughs) for if you haven't seen it at the end of the show well and at the end of the movie if you've seen the film you know at the end of the film the pope comes to the church to hear the nuns yes that's a spoiler for me you know we've uh, watched the film together i know that that's kind of what what it's building towards however at the end of the musical the way that they do that is the conductor is the pope and so the conductor will jump down put the little pope costume on and then get back up and wave at everyone and it's hilarious every time but in the west end show when we went to see it they didn't do that no. And I, I think that's one of the funniest jokes that they do. So I was really excited to see whether or not they would do that because I think that is genuinely one of the funniest jokes in the show. I, I remember there being a kind of weird joke about two, like, camp guys. But it yeah. wasn't like characters. It's like a throwaway line from one of the priests, I think, is like, oh, the two bachelors who flapped their hands and clutched each other, how great the acoustics are in the church, or something like that. And I was like, Ugh. And I remember uh, Mother Superior. There's a, there's a sequence where Mother Superior's like alone in her chambers and just hating everything about Dolores in Act mm-hmm. Two. And I'm pretty certain there was some kind of transphobic line about, you know, just like the sort of people that were coming in to... Yeah, I'm pretty sure she says uh, transsexuals instead of... Yeah. I actually don't know what she would have said instead of that. Basically, she says that they're having... um, like drug dealers and stuff that, coming well, off and the being street dry, and, and that kind of being lumped in yeah is left, left a bad taste and i will say i listened out for that line in this version mm-hmm. that we saw and they instead say transvestites which still not good however i guess she is kind of a villain character at that point is also a step up i guess you know that was the terminology used in this... This, this oh, That doesn't mean we have to use it now. No, no, it isn't. But, like, that would have been how she would have known, like, maybe drag acts instead. Which is weird, considering that is a drag queen in the show yeah. and they are referred to as being a drag queen. It's very weird. I still didn't like it, but I... You know, it felt better, but I feel like, again, let's just cut it. It's one of the things I'm worried about with Shrek. 
because that's again touring later this year and I really hope they've changed the Wolf's line during their initial song. Mm. I really hope that. Oh, yeah. And... I was trying to remember what you what you were meaning because I was just remembering the line at the end where he says, and a cross-dressing wolf. No, it's the bit. It's like, the bit, yeah, the hot, the hot mess, yeah. So that was the only thing that really I kind of was like, huh, about... Otherwise, I, I guess the thing for me was I was really concerned with how well, obviously when we saw it, it was the even time Apollo and you have a really great space for it, the glitz and the glam. Mm-hmm. I wondered just how much of that would translate on a touring stage. I definitely preferred this version to the version that we saw in London. And I think that probably has to do with that. The stage is smaller, yeah. so the intimate moments, Feel for more. example, the song Sister Act, which is in Act 2, it's kind of our turning point for Dolores, felt much more important because she's in this small, intimate space. And yeah. and the New Victoria Theatre is by no means small, No, but comparatively... Yeah having Dolores on this huge stage feels more alienated than that she's within her own mind, which, so I think I preferred it here. Yeah, it did feel, and especially the moments in the church felt far more cosy. Yeah. yeah. There's a few differences to this one, Mm -hmm. you know, which is interesting. We start on Christmas Eve, which I don't think it's ever like specified. Yeah. It's always Christmas Eve. But I mean, in the film, is it? Oh no, yeah, not at all. The film it isn't. I always assumed it was summer in the film. I don't actually know where the film is set. Well, it's also like Atlantic City way, and um, yeah, where is that? Atlantic City is like New Jersey. New Jersey. I think <laughs> we're going to get in trouble for that accent alone. <laughs> I'm pretty certain bad. Atlantic City is is near New Jersey, but I'm not American. I'm not necessarily good with my American geography. No, because they're in Reno. Oh yeah, they are. Nevada. In Reno, yeah, it's Nevada. So yeah, it's not Atlantic City. But then, you know, when she gets kidnapped at the end, yeah, the nuns have to fly to Nevada to Reno to yeah. to get her. Because she's really taken... I feel like she's in... Where is... Um... Well, I'm pretty certain here it's Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. But you know in the film... Yeah. Where is... It's San Francisco, isn't it? Yeah, it's the one with all the hills. It's where Princess Diary is. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's San <laughs> yeah, it's San Francisco. How far away are they from each other? I... I'm going to find out. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. But I'm pretty sure this one's in Philly. Yeah, so it is in, in Philadelphia. Um, we start off, you know, uh, establishing the state of the convent. We have this great bit where they're ringing the bells and the little rope falls down. Yeah. And we just see generally that, you know, things aren't going well. And then we cut to, uh, Dolores and you know, her backup singers doing Take Me to Heaven mm-hmm. for Curtis. I found an answer to my question. It is 218 miles from San Francisco to Reno. Okay. 
So they do hide her quite far away. Yeah, they do. That's Whereas here it feels like it's all just in the same place. Why are they getting local news on the TV in Reno from San Francisco? Maybe it's not local at that time. Maybe it's regional because the Pope is coming, so it becomes a bigger deal. It's like the Pope is coming to America. I guess. I don't know how anything works in America. <laughs> Take Me to Heaven is a fun, like, is a great, like, first disco act. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, ironically, as you know, the, the lines as well, like, Take Me to Heaven is pretty fun. You know, cause and the a... fact that it gets reused later yeah. as a part of the chorus, chorus as a part of the choir's yeah. number, which yeah. is great. Cause... I really like it. It, you know, it's that kind of um, oh man, why can't I remember the term? But it's like music that exists. This is how our... diegetic. Thank you. I should know this off the top of my head for my You're career. Drama teacher. <laughs> this is diegetic sound that is actually happening because they're. And that's what I quite like about Sister Act is there's a lot of it that is diegetic, mm. which is always interesting. You still have a, a mix of non-diegetic. However, I actually think a lot of these songs, even ones that shouldn't usually occur, do occur. And I'll talk about one of my favourite instances of that in a moment. But yeah, Take Me to Heaven, really fun, upbeat number to kind of get us going. And we have the same sort of beats. There are five diegetic songs. Okay, one of them I don't necessarily think is supposed to be diegetic, but my head canon is. Which one? Eddie's one. <laughs> sure. And I'll tell you why when we get to Eddie's, okay. Eddie's number. Yeah. But yeah, we have the same kind of beats. Dolores is just focused on her career. She doesn't really care about the nasty things that her boyfriend's doing. She's very aware that, you know, she's his bit on the side. And she gets her Christmas present. Someone murdered a Smurf. And it's the wife's present, not hers. I love that they say a Smurf when it's clearly the Cookie Monster. I was going to say a Muppet. Yeah. yeah definitely. Someone is like... Or Gonzo. The, the, the Jim Henzo. Jim Henzo? Jim Henson reject pile, you know? Yeah. And obviously this then leads to her... Instead of going up and confronting him, she goes to dispose of it by just throwing it in the bin. And then he arrives and she hides behind the bin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a big dumpster. Yeah. And yeah, then she sees uh, Curtis killing one of his guys. I really like the thing that he's just like, I know it's one of you. And his gut tells him it's this one. And he's like, was it you to TJ? Was it you to this? And, And then like TJ just starts his laugh. He's like, I'm your cousin. I wouldn't do that. I love TJ's laugh in this. This is something that I have misremembered about this show. Yeah. I, for some reason, thought that at the end it was revealed that TJ has been telling the cops about him. Oh, but he isn't. He's genuine. He isn't. It's just his cousin. He's also a bad guy. But I think I'm getting it muddled over with nine to five. Because at the end of 9 to 5, you find out that that really um, misogynistic guy in the office is actually has actually been informing yes. on all of it the entire time. I don't know how I got those two things muddled up, but they'd become like conflated in my head. So at the end, when TJ like wasn't revealed to do that, I was just sat there thinking, like, did they get rid of that? Did I imagine that? <laughs> I really like um, Bradley Judge's performance as TJ. I think he's very over the top and very silly. Their little trio, Joey, Pablo and TJ, are probably my favourite characters in this show. Yeah, absolutely. Just because 
all of their random backup stuff mm -hmm. is just so good. <laughs> well, so this is the thing is, you know, I think when you see them, you are kind of just expecting them to be this generic... You're not expecting anything from them as no, characters. They're, they're just, just there. Generic mob characters, but each one of them has like a different vibe to it. So obviously we've got Phil, who's just kind of like the leader of this little gang. Joey. Yeah, like, you know, you've got Joey as the leader of this little gang and thinks he's got more position than he has. You've got TJ, who's got the great laugh and the you great think energy. Joey was in charge. Of the three of them, I think he definitely yeah, he definitely has the vibe that he's more like, Come here, you two, now listen to me, you know. No. You think TJ? I don't think any of them. No. I think they're all very much on the... I don't think out of the three of them you had anyone who was clearly the sort of pack leader of those three. I see. I For me, it's very clear for me that it was it was Joey. Joey. And then you've got obviously the great, like, contagious laugh of TJ. But you've got Pablo's sex appeal as well, which mm -hmm. is just like, oh, fan me off. Especially during their number in Act 2. And Damien Bihagia is just such an incredible dancer. He's previously played Chino in West Side Story, which I can see being incredible. Yep. Uh, Sonny in Greece, which he's, he definitely had the comedy for that. Like, just a, a really And Sonny in, in The Heights. In the Heights yeah. And he was Joe Pesci. Joey Pesci in Jersey Boys at one point as well. Nice. Second cover, Frankie Valli. Cool. But well, he and he was just incredible in this. He, I think, of the three of them, definitely came across as the strongest dancer. Yeah. And oh yeah, absolutely. I don't know whether that's worked into the character or if it's a just how they are as people. But it came across very much as a character trait that, like, that's his thing. Yeah, and the three of them when they were on stage, like, absolutely just mm -hmm. had a great time. They're their own little boy band, right? It's awesome. It is. So you've got this great bit where, you know, they're all being confronted by Curtis and Curtis sticks with his gut, shoots shoots guy, who is the right guy. They go to throw the body in the bin and the bin and moves. Dolores kind of squeaks. Yeah. And you see her sneaking off and they ch give chase and you have this really brilliant chase she sequence. She has to be like, I didn't see anything. He's just taking a little nap. And lifts his hand up and he just drops. And she's like, we won't wake him. I'll just go. <laughs> and yeah, the, I love the little chase sequence where she's in, you know, the little bike trolley thing where mm. somebody's riding the bike and you're sat in the back and it's just stationary on stage and everyone's running to get behind it. There's this great bit where TJ gets in, they look at each other, scream and she kicks TJ off. And they, there's a great bit at the end where they, they just they just roll backwards. They roll backwards to show that the cart is moving away. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It is really, really fun. And, you know, I, I really like that sequence. And this then takes her to Steady Eddie. Mm -hmm. And he's got the nickname Steady Eddie from school. They remember each other. Yeah, she calls him Steady Eddie. And all the other police officers in the precinct have a good laugh at him And for some that. women of the night who are there as well. Oh, yeah. So there's definitely some sex workers who have been arrested for... Um... I can tell this story now because we're covering this this musical... I auditioned to do a like local Andram performance of Sister Act. Oh, I remember this now, yes. Yeah, and I went and I sang Life I Never Led because I was auditioning to play Mary, Pat uh, Mary Patrick and Mary Robert. 
I get them muddled because there's so many Marys. So, you know. And Mary Clarence and Mary. Yeah. So Mary Patrick is Kathy and Jimmy. Yes. The funny one. And then Mary Robert is the postulant. Yes. And I was going for Mary Robert because she is within my vocal range. Mm -hmm. And Mary Patrick is definitely not. But I was like, "Mm, add a push. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we can bring it down just a tiny bit for me. It'll be fine. And I really didn't think I would get Mary Patrick. But I thought I was okay for Mary Robert. And when I got there, they were like, oh... You're here to audition for Dolores? <laughs> now, I am very white, <laughs> like incredibly white. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. Because that would be inappropriate. Yep. And they were like, oh, no, you know, we're, you can audition for whatever you want. And I was like, I think I'll stick with Mary Robert. I'm okay. This is it. Like, I was also like 19 at the time. I was like, I feel like I'm a bit young to play that role, even if... Like, well, it's it, it's it, I think it's an important casting that we make sure Dolores is well, and especially because when we first get to the church, nobody within the church world sings in the disco style, yes. and it's Dolores that brings that there. So it's a bit disingenuous to have a white character be that role. I know. So I went in, sang my little heart out. They made me belt really really high they made me do some like head voice stuff for mary patrick it was bad i am not a soprano and then i went to on my merry way and waited to hear back from them and they rang me while i was at work cleaning a pool (laughs) and i answered the phone and they were like we're really sorry we can't offer you the role of mary robert you like just people were better and i was like okay fine we can offer you, though, a, a role in the ensemble. And I was like, all oh, right, okay. And they were like, yeah, we don't want you to be one of the nuns. And I was like, right, who else is the, who else did the ensemble play? Because I was thinking, there's yeah. a lot of nuns, you know. I was like, who else did the ensemble play? And they were like, yeah, you could always play, you know, a prostitute or... And I was like, hmm. <laughs> Do you think they were just, like, bitter at you? For um, turning down Dolores. Or... Yeah, they were mad that I'd said that I didn't want to audition for Dolores because it was inappropriate for them to cast somebody white. Yeah. Because they did then cast somebody white in that role. And I was like, I'm not going to do this show. This feels wrong. Yeah, so this is the thing. We're all for, like, we're obviously joking the fact that, like, you were offered a downgraded. We're all of the opinion that, like, every role matters with it. There's no, like, big part. Obviously. You know. But, but they rang me and were like, you could be a prostitute. I, <laughs> I think like, the difference no. <laughs> is here, like, very much that this was uh, an Amdram performance that was setting off a lot of red flags. Oh, so many. You know, so, you know, we can, we can joke about it, but really, we're just passionate that, like, even if we didn't get the roles we wanted, we would go yeah, for it. Yeah, I would always happily be in the yeah. ensemble. However, yeah, red flags all over the place with that one. So we 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 get Dolores into witness protection and she goes to the the church of is it perpetual sorrow? Yes. In the original version it is perpetual faith. Yeah. But yeah, they've changed it so it's the church of perpetual sorrow, our lady of perpetual sorrow. Yeah. Um which is very funny because obviously the church is falling apart around them. They're yeah. all miserable. I know. It's great it's a great little play. Um, and, and, you know, this is where we first get the Mother Superior Dolores interactions. And you really have got, like, chalk and cheese here. Mm-hmm. 
as you'd expect, really. You know, you've got stiff upper lips, uh, regimented and traditional Mother Superior, and Dolores, who has a lot of vices. Yes. And you, I really like that you've got the uh, it's slight interaction as well between Eddie and the uh, Monsignor, who are just like, we'll go have a drink whilst the women talk. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I quite like that. With Sister at the Movie, was it supposed to be set in the 90s? It was, wasn't it? It's like 90s fashion. It was, it was like set in the time period it was filmed. I don't know about the first one because she spends we have... so much time in her habit and around nuns. No, but, but in the second one, it's definitely But when the they 90s. first have the kids coming in, when they first start doing the music, it's definitely like 90s kids. Yeah. So this one is very specifically said it's like in 1979. Mm-hmm. So I guess there is still a bit of like that, you know, patriarchy within the church. So of course they'd be like, we'll leave the women to discuss this. Mm. The Monsignor is one of my favourite characters, just as a like little side character. I love how into it he gets. You know, like he's not developed, but he's just like having a genuine blast seeing like the, the church become more hip and popular and he just rolls with it. Mm. I like the here within this wall sequence. Yeah. And then I really like the next day. So it's where Dolores comes and joins everyone for Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. And she has a little prayer, which is like, you know, for the Republic in which we stand. You know, it's like an amalgamation of several different, you know, blessings. And basically because she's overactive, she goes on a fast and they all end the Christmas dinner early through Mother Superior kind of like punishing them for their gossiping nature. One of my favourite songs is when Curtis does his When I Find My Baby sequence. Oh, because he has the pips backing him up for this. But it's also, (laughs) it's the twist of this sequence. Mm -hmm. Because it's all like, when I find my baby, when I find... You know, and you expect to be really kind. It's like, I'm going to bash my baby. I'm going to shoot my baby. And you're like, whoa. And it's funny. Mm -hmm. And it's a really good, like, it's, it's, it's Alan Menken and Glenn Slater, I think, at their best here. This is, it's such a play on words because it's called When I Find My Baby. And the actual continued line is, when I find my baby, I ain't letting her go. Yeah. So that, on its own... Very romantic in any other context <laughs> until he starts singing about how, yeah, I'm going to find that girl. I'm going to bash that girl. I'm going to, yeah. and I'm you know, stab, 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 stab that girl yeah. or something like that. And it, it's one of those songs where like it starts and he's singing about how it's like, I know the way that she thinks. I know her habits and kinks, which yes. I love. That's a good joke. And as it's going, you're like, okay, yeah, he, you know, he's going to find her, whatever. And then when he starts saying all the abusive stuff that he's going to do to her, it's one of those, like, shock laugh yes. things that you do as an audience. Because he's... It's very much four seasons, what they're giving mm-hmm. with this yeah, with this is. performance. Because Curtis is still at the front, and then you've got the three guys behind him. It is very, very Jersey Boys, isn't it? Doing yeah. their little dance with their hands in their pockets, like, bit... F- two step in yeah. and he's singing about all this horrific stuff that shouldn't be funny 
but it's made funny by the context of the scene. It's a very it's... good villain song because it does exactly what it needs to without it becoming too imposing. Yeah, the some... fact that he can so casually yeah. say all of this. He is very pantomime as a villain here. Like, he, not in the sense that it's very, like, over the top and silly, but he's a soft villain. You don't have the same kind of fear of him that you do in the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have seen him straight up murder a guy, but... Who is it that plays him in the film? Oh, it was the guy who did the insurance adverts. At least over here, he did the insurance. Yeah, he's like a gangster actor. Yeah. I can't remember his name, I'm afraid. The next sequence is... We have a little bit of interaction with Sister Mary Lazarus, Lazarus and Sister Mary Patrick. I like the bit where she's like, you're a postulate and they still let you come to the church. Because obviously Dolores thinks prostitute. And then they decide that, you know, they, they, they're going to follow uh, Sister Mary Clarence, as Dolores' undercover name. Yes. To this bar across the way to make sure she doesn't get into trouble. Yeah, so she plays it off as being that... She hears about this and she's like, we're going to go... She hears about this terrible place and she's like, we must go over there immediately and tell them how to solve their sinful sinful ways. ways." (laughs) And she gets over there and discovers that apparently if you're a nun, people just buy you stuff. They'll buy you beer, they'll give give her hoagies, you know, like they'll they'll, they'll Mm. put a song on the jukebox for her. Yeah, she orders a Big Mac. Yeah. Sister Mary Patrick... Mm -hmm is very into it. You know, it's like all the dancing and the lights. She's the one who sees the the disco ball lights and yeah. she says they're little angels and yeah. she's chasing one of them around and then she stomps on it. And she's like, dead angels, splat! <laughs> it's so weird. Some of the humour in this, first of all, I love it. Yeah. But second of all, it's just so random some of the stuff that happens which is great i guess here's a good point for me to kind of be like one of my biggest critiques of this is it feels like they have forgotten about her character a lot of the time so it's quite surprising that it was keela settle that played her because she doesn't have big moments she is kind she does feel kind of like background compared to everyone else Mm. you know like it, it's not even like she's second or third billing. I would say you've kind of got Dolores and Mother Superior. Then you've got Eddie and ex-boyfriend. Curtis. Curtis. Then, then Patrick. Then you have... No, then Roberts. Yeah, then you have Sister Mary Roberts. And then I would say you have the trio of mobsters. And then the nun ensemble. Then the nun ensemble. But she is like at the head of that nun ensemble. I think the thing is, when you have somebody in that role, like Keela Settle, who is worldwide famous, became really big off of... Well, didn't become big off of Great Showman because she was already an incredible yes, theatre performer. Yes, but it, it put But her in is the now known to film watchers rather than yeah. theatre people. And her being in it would be enough of a draw. Like, she was on tour and she brought Hugh Jackman out on her tour. Yeah. You know? And people went to see that because Hugh Jackman was there, but that now they know her. And I'm sure that isn't true and for everyone. And there's also an element of just trying to do as much while she was in the UK. Yeah, she, she did. Anne she was Julia. in Anne Julia as well. Like, incredible. So she obviously would draw attention when she's in those roles. And her singing is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but she doesn't have a solo song in this. You know, as a... She doesn't, but she's... 
I would say she's not meant to. She does get featured solos in the non-ensemble numbers. For me, it just feels like one of the fondest memories I have of the first Sister Act film is Kathleen, Kathleen and, and Jimmy, Jimmy yeah. in this role. But she doesn't get solo numbers either. No, but the, we covered it, but I wouldn't say it's as traditional a musical as other things we've covered. I'd say it's very loosely a musical, you know. But in the same way... Kathy and the Jimmy got a lot less in the second Sister Act film. And I feel like this one and and the Sister Act 2, it's one of my main grievances with them is the fact that this character I really enjoyed in the first one, mostly maybe is Kathy and Jimmy's energy. And it's just, it's hard for people to replicate. Mm. You know, I just feel like she's resigned to a few moments, but she's ultimately forgotten when she might actually be one of the, the most memorable parts of the film and it's not a slight on the performers I just think and you know you are balancing quite a large you know cast and I do think Mary Roberts story of finding her voice is more is like more powerful yeah I do really like the sequence in the bar you obviously have like TJ, Joey, and Pablo there as well, kind mm-hmm. of conspiring in the background. They bump into Dolores, like, sorry, sister, and they look, and then like, and then they see the drag queen that they think is Dolores. The drag queen is wearing a blue fur coat. Yes. And that is why they think it's Dolores, because there is no other way you would assume that that was Dolores, because the very talented performer who plays this role, first of all, has just been killed yep. as one of Curtis's henchmen, which is great. Yeah. Um, but is about, I'm going to say minimum six foot two. Yes. And then in platform shoes. So, you know, these guys are idiots. Yes. Face blindness is a real problem yeah. <laughs> for these men. So they grab the wig off the drag queen She's, like, not having any of that. And beats them senseless. Beats them senseless. Yeah. Good for her. So, yeah. And then they get dragged back to the nunnery. Yes, off to the nunnery. And... and Convent? Are we calling con- it a convent? A convent because it, it's a church? I don't know what the specifics of that are, anyway. Dolores gets uh, told off by Mother Superior because of how she has put two of the sisters in harm's way Mm -hmm. and eddie basically says to her you have to conform says that you know there is a huge bounty in your head it's not safe for you yeah you have to stay in here so she goes back and you know ultimately is angry and we get one of my favorite numbers i could be that guy yeah i love Clive Rose performance here is Eddie. Mm-hmm. Are you? This is like was one of your best moments when we saw it in the West End as yes. well. This is a song that isn't like I, I think it's supposed to be a musical theatre song. It's like non-diegetic, but I absolutely think it's diegetic because of how it ends with him back up on his table and everyone looking and laughing at him. And I can hundred percent see Eddie getting so lost in himself that he just sings. And he's like standing on his desk. The fact that he's standing on his desk at the end of this sequence, like he was in the musical sequence. Right. 
says to me it's a hundred percent happened but this i just love that this clearly happens all the time because one of the other police officers is like you're right there eddie and he's like yeah i'm fine (laughs) i'm just gonna get down (laughs) favorite bits about this so he comes in and he's in his his cop gear and then when the song gets going and the you know the tempo increases and they rip his suit off and he's Mm -hmm. got a sparkling bedazzled suit underneath Mm -hmm. and i remember that and I was like, I remember this bit being really great. Like the costume, oh yes, love it. He's dancing, he gets up on the what I forgot mm-hmm. is at the end of this song, they tear off that same sequin one and he's back in his police stuff. Yeah, so the first couple of times we see Eddie, he's in a average looking police he's in his uniform. uniform. It's yeah. like a blue police uniform, you know. And then when he comes on for this scene, he's got two layers on top of that so of sparkly sequined go-go dancer look and then fake police uniform on the top that is the tear away one and you can kind of tell from the way that he's walking that like there's quite a lot of clothes more so up close than when we saw it the first time around but it doesn't matter at all because unless you know that that's happening you wouldn't you wouldn't notice but that's the thing and it's just so seamless and it's such a brilliant sequence i know and he was a good dancer too but it's especially again that kind of twist no one expects there to be another pull-off moment Mm -hmm. and that's why it's it's just it's so good and i love the ending i think it's a really great song and I really like that his character is getting, you know, I've just said, like, it's a shame that Mary Laz- uh, Mary Patrick doesn't get the yeah. same. I'm really glad that this character gets more to do than mm. in the film where he's just the go-between. So Dolores has been told she is now going to be responsible for the choir yeah and she's all really excited mother superior says something along the lines of they have a truly unique voice she said there are no words there are no words Mm -hmm. yes exactly that and then dolores goes in they get going and she just starts like sobbing she's like and they're like were we good and she just goes there are no words and i love that i thought that was great there's some really good comedy in this script yeah and you know we have the the nice sequence the almost um you're in the band sequence like obviously this came first this came before school of rock but this is very much the you know when when she does raise your voice this is very similar to you're in the band where it's like finding the pieces and getting in the right place you know like let your shoulders relax you don't oh sure i prefer this (laughs) i will always right i know i understand why you love school of rock but and it's just the comparison I can make here between like two songs that Glenn Slater's done, and it very much feels like that. Do you, do you see what I mean? It's very similar as a sequence, mm-hmm. and it's a real crowd pleaser of a sequence when you see them go from zero to hero, just like that. <laughs> I love it. And then we have their um, morning, and it's going to be their last one because they're going to shut down. They're going to sell to the bachelors. Yeah. When we get that line that you didn't like, again. No, it, they did change it. It's toned down a it's tiny toned down bit. a little bit, but we have that same kind of insinuation. He refers to them when he's first talking about them as the bachelors. Yes. Two, ba- 
Does he say bachelors? He does say bachelors. He said bachelors, and then later he refers to them as the gentlemen who want to buy the building, which is better than what he said before. Yeah. So that's fine. We get the nuns doing a bit of rehearsing. Yeah. Just wandering around, doing a bit of singing. La, 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 la. And then any time um, the mother superior comes near them, they stop <laughs> to surprise her. Again, very school of rock in the idea of like they'll practice and then when Miss Marlins comes along, they stop, you know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, then we get Take Me to Heaven reprise. Yeah. Which is so funny as a use of the opening song to end act one yes but this like jazzed up version where they open by singing like glory be unto god no it's latin i'm trying to remember what the words are i think it's a dominus but like i was in church choir (laughs) so this is it so it's like again like mother superior and monsignor are just like and there's just like suddenly like what what's going on well the monsignor's trying to figure out where it's coming from he also looks initially quite furious at it going on and he's like, you could see like at the side side he's lecturing mother superior like you're letting this happen this is disgusting this is an affront to god and oh then... no i'm talking about just at the beginning when they're singing in latin oh okay. he's looking around trying to figure out where it's coming from yeah and then they realize it's them but and it's I'm... amazing I... but yeah like you say he's not into it to start with until the funky rhythm starts to but get also, to him until people start coming in and then mm-hmm. he gets really into it whilst mother superior doesn't and we end Act 1 with this, like, really great, like, you know, things are getting better. Yeah. Act mm-hmm. 2, we start again with this huge, like, um, like montage song, you know, like, a lot of... It, it's a very long sequence, the Sunday Morning Fever. Mm-hmm. And we keep seeing, like, we, it, it establishes the passage of time really well, I think, that, you know, you, you have Monsignor coming out in different costumes, he's getting more with more with it and you know they have the roof fund that we see the little thermometer going up yeah that's cute you know and it's establishing that this choir is turning everything around but it's also making mother superior furious because this isn't her church this isn't her religion anymore mm-hmm. you know she is so stuck in her ways and obviously we get the reveal that dolores is a nun yeah. You know, through the news report, which is done really well. I like the bit where Dolores tries to hide in the background. You know, it's just like hiding away at the end of it. Oh, because she realises that she's... Um... Being filmed. Yeah. Which leads to one of my favourite numbers, Lady in the Long Black Dress. This, honestly, <laughs> was like the turning point for us where we were like, oh... Oh, I forgot to say my favourite line in Sunday Morning Fever. Go for it. Shake it like you're Mary Magdalene. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. There's some, like, absolutely, like... Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You can see... You can absolutely understand why Mother Superior is so angry at some of this. That line especially. Yeah, like... Like, very... I remember... So, I went to Catholic school growing up. I remember hearing the lectures about why Mary Magdalene was such a bad person. Even though... They then would also go on to point out that Jesus forgave her, so she was obviously fine. You know, whatever. But that line, <laughs> yeah, I think would have given my RS teacher an actual aneurysm. So that's the thing is, has there been much controversy surrounding this from the Catholic Church? 
Because I can imagine people like... People love Sister Act. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? That you, you would think this would really be like a um, controversy lightning rod. But similar to Book of Mormon, the things it kind of parodies or references, they go for. Like the Book of Mormon has taken out program ad space. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, it's really funny. We didn't talk about the Tonys, but Sister Act did not fare well at the Tonys. Because what was it up against? Yeah. Book of Mormon. Which, yeah. again, Christianity versus Mormonism. What a great Tony's. You know, the battle of the yeah, religions. Yeah, I think... You only needed Fiddler on the Roof there to really make it an interesting trifecta, didn't you? Mm. I mean, Fiddler on the Roof would definitely have won. Oh, no, absolutely days. definitely would have won. But could you imagine, like, a year where the Tony's were like, Book of Mormon, Sister Act, Fiddler on the Roof. Mm. That'd be so interesting. I tell you what, we haven't had a revival of Fiddle on the Roof over here for a while. Lady in the Long Black Dress is such a bop. Yeah. I, I, oh I, my I, God. Again, we've got the pips. Yes. <laughs> but this time it's their own little boy band song and it's them all singing about how... How to seduce a nun. The different ways they would seduce a nun. And is it Joey that has the penguin or TJ? I think it's one of them has a toy penguin. No, I and it's think it's so TJ funny. because Joey talks to the janitor, is singing to the janitor. Yeah, because they're so they're in Curtis's club. Curtis has been like, you need to find a way to get into in, that yeah. convent and get Dolores out of there. Because just to start with, he doesn't really want to kill somebody inside of a church. Yes. So that's fine. But Joey starts and is like, well, obviously, I'll show you. The way that we do it is you you chat up a nun. And the others are like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure that's going to go well for you, but good luck. And he's like, no, no, I can seduce anyone. And this is especially where it's just like... And then he turns to the, the janitor. And that is where I was just like, oh my God, it is just Phil. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, and yeah, he turns to the janitor, who looks so confused yeah. this whole time, who's mopping the floor and starts And kind of staying him off with the broom, you know? Yeah. Like, my favourite bit of this is where Pablo takes over mm-hmm. and does the skid on the knees and just... And then like pops his shirt his open. Shirt open. That's what I mean by sex appeal. Like it is just great. And this whole sequence is just hilarious. Yeah. You know... It, it's just fun to watch. Like, you're watching these guys have the time of their life up on the stage. And it is infectious. It's it's so brilliant. Mm-hmm. We go from that to quite a, a, a slower number where we have um, I Haven't Got a Prayer, which is a song title I love that Mother Superiors like all of this. Yeah. You've got that. It's very funny because obviously we see that there's kind of a secret hypocritical side to her because, like, she spurns modern stuff. Mm-hmm. And there she is shaving with, like, an electric razor. Yeah. And then you've got this great one about how, you know, she's feeling let down. You know, God, she asked you for help. Where are you now? And, you know, you've, you've delivered me this. Yeah. And I, I really remember in the West End one that she will say... So at the beginning of the show, she takes a cigarette off of Dolores. Oh, yeah, I swear. That isn't in this That's version. Not in this, but I swear Jennifer Saunders was like, sm- or lit a cigarette as well. Or she lights the cigarette that she nicked from Dolores at the beginning of the show. Yeah. 
They didn't put that in this version. She does have a drink at the end, though. Yeah. Which is also very funny. I mean, fair enough. And yeah, it ends very much with the whole, like, she get hears the phone call that's like, she's going, and she's just like, thank you. You are good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we cut to uh, the choir. They learn that obviously they're going to have the concert to the Pope. Mm-hmm. And they do uh, Bless Our Show. This is one where I was like, is this diegetic or non-diegetic? I, mean, I think non-diegetic. I think it's non-diegetic. It's it, She's probably just done a blessing, but they've done it in this way for, for a, a song. Um, I love all of her life. She's just trying to get rid of the rest of them because she's tired. She's been getting up at 4am the it, entire time she's been here. It's very um, Sound of Music, isn't it? Like everyone in the room coming in and be like, Sister Mary. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's very that. Yeah, she has some really good lines where they're all saying what they want to bless and she's like, let us rest when we're stressed. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a good line. There's there's just lyrically, this show's amazing. Oh yeah, it is. And I mean, again, it's just proof that their collaboration really works. Mm -hmm. You know, they can go for any kind of style they want. They can have the very family friendly with Tangled. They can have, you know, a bit more adult in this. They can have very adult with Galifant. Mm-hmm. You know, like they just work very well together. Yeah. Uh, the kind of joy is brought down a little bit where we then have the life I never led with Sister Mary Robert. You know. I feel like, right, I have a lot of feelings about Sister Mary Robert in this show. Yeah. First of all, why do you think she's at this convent? In the film, it was because she was raised in the church. Yes. And in the original version of the stage show, they explicitly say she was basically left on the doorstep. Mm. Mother Superior is basically her mum. And she's been here her entire life. They sent her to school and everything, obviously, but she lives here. And... That's why we've got the whole, like, one day you'll get your calling, but you are just going to be a nun. Yeah. You know, you'll have your calling to the Lord or whatever. But they never say that in this version. Right. So by the time we get to the life I never led, she's not... We haven't had any little acts of rebellion from her. No. And I wish we saw that before now. Other than her going to the bar, but that's not her choice. Mary Patrick is the one that drags her there. I wish it was the other way around. I wish she was the one that grabbed Mary Patrick and was like, okay, come on, we've got to follow her. And especially because the emphasis has been taken off of Mary Patrick in the stage show. Mm -hmm. Certainly in the film, Mary Roberts is far more like shy and retiring because they've added this song it should be a right a little bit more rebellion i don't know when she's joined the church in this it feels like it feels like she chose this because she's an adult woman so and she just doesn't know what else to do yeah it's like she did want to do this but now having this this relationship with dolores is making her change her mind i wish it came earlier but then also i don't know where i would put it yeah. Maybe somewhere in Act 1. I do think as well, so like another slight criticism I have of this is I do think the script and the book is a little all over the shop and rushed at times. Very rushed at the end. Okay, I've decided where I would put it. I would put The Life I Never Led after It's Good to Be a Nun. Yeah. 
and before I could be that guy. Fair enough. Or maybe again in between those, because I think while we do start to see Dolores bonding with the nuns, yeah, she that's not sees... until near the end of Act One. I want her to have a one-to-one relationship with Mary Roberts. Because that's the thing. This song is prompted because Dolores is leaving. But they don't seem to have that deep of a relationship at this point. Is this where they tell... So Dolores has told all of the nuns the truth as well at it's this point. after Bless Our Show, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so Dolores has told all of them, forced by Mother Superior, you know, to tell the truth. And then the nuns are a little miffed at Mother Superior for also lying to them. Mm-hmm. But then this is her trying to say her goodbye to Dolores and kind of being like, I wish I could have your life. Yeah. It does just come a little bit late. And, you know, my other criticism of the script is I don't feel that same kind of triumph between Mother Superior and Dolores finally getting on the same terms as I did in the film. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's enough development of their relationship for me to really, like, enjoy it here. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I guess I've got to take the good with the bad. I'm really happy with the fleshing out that, you know, our mob trio get. And I'm really happy that Eddie gets a little bit more. So naturally, there's other parts of the story that have to go. But the film was like an hour and a half. And this is two and a half hours. Yeah. I guess the musical sequences do add up. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It just, it, it, I find it lacking in a few bits that I really enjoyed. But I like this for different reasons. Yeah. So, uh, is this as well where Dolores gives her the shoes and is like, have these to remember me by? Her FM boots, yeah. Oh yeah, because she can't say what the FM stands for, Mm -hmm. um, which I really like. And then she She says it's Father McKay. And she's like, I made that up. (laughs) At Eddie's house. And Eddie's like, I got you a cheesesteak. And she's like, I'm not really hungry. He's just like, oh, I just, I knew it was your favourite and you probably wanted some real food. And she takes Mm -hmm. it. And they talk about... She does a little dance, it's great. Yeah, they talk about, like, you know, their previous, their history with each other, and that he always knew she'd be a star, and all of that jazz. And I think, yeah, this is where we get the Fabulous Baby reprise. Yes. We didn't talk about Fabulous Baby, we completely skipped that one, but, you know. Fabulous Baby is her song... It's her I Want song. It's her... In Act One. Because Alan Menken loves an I Want song. Fabulous. Alan Menken writes the best I Want songs. Yeah. Yeah, I think he does. Some of them are very similar to each other. In fairness though, are there any musicals before Little Shop of Horrors that have I Want songs? Every musical has an I Want song. Okay, fair enough. I was going to say... You can name me a musical and I'll tell you what the I Want song is. Oklahoma. I don't know the music like well there enough to do that. Sorry, bad example. No, but this is the thing. I think he really popularised it with Little Shop of Horrors. No, I don't think he did. <laughs> did he not? I, You know, fair enough. I just know different composers are responsible for different movements or different... Like, they all contribute something. And maybe Alan Menken's is just the fact that he is so diverse in the fact that he will theme his work over the style he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what makes him so unique and such a legend. I'm going to say that in Oklahoma, we have Sorry with a Fringe on Top as Curly's 
I Want Song. Then you've got I Can't Say No is Annie's I Want Song. And it's the girl who can't say no. And Many a New Day is Laurie's I Want Song. Do you know what? I I remember despising Oklahoma. I want to see the stage show. Yeah. After going to watch some stage awards, I really want to see this stage show. I told you the film sucks. We couldn't do anything about it at the time. We can now. Um, Anyway. No, I Want Songs have always been around because the point of a musical, you know, if it was Shakespeare, he'd be doing a monologue. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter who the character is. I I want some. If it was a, Shakespeare, yeah, well, whatever. If it was a ballet, you'd have the exact same thing. Like in Swan Lake, you have the prince doing his little solo so that he shows that he's desperately lonely and would like to be with somebody, even if she's a bird. But like it, the best dance sequence I've ever seen was the snowman at the Peacock Theatre. Like the whole thing is is like a ballet because everything is silent, right? There's no talking in it. And because they've obviously taken a 30-minute animation and made it stage length, he has a dance-off with Jack Frost. And Jack Frost has, like, a stuffed crotch. And he just, like, thrust movements. Like a cod piece. Yeah, like a cod piece. But he does thrust movements into the audience. And I was just like... I, I, I had to remove myself. I was just like laughing. Like, why is this snowman battling a season? Did I ever show you the clips of the Beatrix Potter ballet? No. Oh my god. Oh, that sounds. It's like, like the tales of Beatrix Potter. No, the costumes are incredible. It could go either way. It could be Totoro. It's like the ballet frogs yeah. from Slipping the Rose. Oh, the ballet frogs. The best characters. The ballet frogs. I love the fact that that was our, our drawing, our artwork for that episode. I love the ballet frogs. I love the ballet frogs. I love that 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 I need to rewatch Slipper in the Rose desperately. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. This is my issue though, right? It makes no sense for Mary Patrick to have an I Want song this close to the end of the show. Yes. Because maybe I'm just not understanding what the point of this song is, but I don't think... There is anything that she's saying to Dolores that Dolores doesn't already know. Because the moral of the song is meant to be you should go out and take the chances that you have because I've never had that chance and maybe I want to now. Yeah. And Dolores knows that. That's what she's doing. That's why she's here. That's the (laughs) thing is, I think it comes too late because we've not really got to know the character in the way that that it would warrant. It should come earlier and then we learn it from there. You know, um... Yeah, I know way more about her in the film because we have all those scenes yeah. of them it's sneaking just, ice cream in and night it is the and same like, as um, Shrek. Like, guess I'd be a hero. You know, that is I who want. would be. Yeah. yeah, you know that still comes at the end. That's the end of Act One, and yeah, it's different. He's the main character, but it's not like he drops that bomb on us as our penultimate song. Shrek has two I want songs because he has his. What the world's expect of him, I want song. No, no, no. That's his 11th hour. He has, no, Big Bright Beautiful World is his I want song at the beginning because he's singing about how he likes being alone, his one man conga line. And then he has Who I'd Be, which is his real I want song. But 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 that's that's, like contextually relevant. But that's what, again, (laughs) and I mean, like at that moment, if that song came later on in act two, it wouldn't have the same oomph it has. And that's the issue here. And especially when it then, the next song we have is Fabulous Baby, even though it's the reprise. It's just a better I want song, you know, and... Because it then leads into Sister Act, which is her 11th hour I Understand Now song. It really is. And I do like this as a sequence. I love the bit where, like, she's talking through and then you have, like, the nuns in the... She's singing Fabulous Baby about what she's going to get in the world. And then 
we're in Eddie's either Eddie's actual bedroom or his spare room. I think it's his and bedroom. And they keep popping up yeah. in the the my favorite one is the TV. Yeah. The, the thing comes back and the nun appears in the TV and then they all disappear again. I 100% Incredible. think it's Eddie's room. Yeah, he's Eddie's on the couch. The couch he's, he's a, a gentleman. Guy. Yeah, so we have Sister Act, which is a really great song. And again, great that we actually get the title. We get as well because the ensemble of nuns are all backstage getting ready to do the rest of this yes. show. The ensemble is padded out by TJ, Joey, mm-hmm. and Pedro, which means that in Fabulous Baby Reprise leading into Sister Act, when her backup dancers come out, it's, it's those three. Incredible. And like the Monsignors doing it as well. Mm-hmm. It's great. We're all here. But yeah, Sister Act, like I said at the beginning, so much more powerful in a smaller stage because yeah. she doesn't feel alienated. She feels, we feel like we're in her headspace. And it also feels lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it does feel, like, isolated. She, for the first time, really, in this show, she's on her own. Yeah. I don't think we have a, another moment where she is on her own on stage and up and, you know, even... She has her fictional ensemble at this point, her brain, but she's on her own. No, she's never on her own until this. Yeah, and it's a really powerful sequence. Mm-hmm. And I really like it. Um, and it does, like, it's it's such a, like... It is one of those what songs you want to stand up and clap at the end. Yeah. Like, um Beverly Knight nailed it, but Sandra Marvin nailed it as well. Like, absolutely triumphant. Yeah. This whole cast was fantastic. Yeah. So... This leads us to our final... Set of uh, action. Yes. So, Dolores is like, okay, I was wrong. I got to go back and help my sisters with... The show. The show for the Pope. So she goes back. Then we get... The Life I Never Led reprise, which is where Mary Robert finally, finally, in air quotes, stands up to the Mother Superior. We've never seen her try to no, do that before. It's it. the it entire be... time she'd been trying to stand up to her and had always been like, shut up. Yeah, this trial. This would mean more to me. Do we have the bit first with Curtis telling the men, telling his mob to go in, and it's because that she's in danger? And um, no, it's after this. It's after this. Yeah, it's the other way around. So this happens. So they're like, when we're what is Mary? Mary Robert says, "I'm either singing with her, or I'm leaving with her, yeah. and you need to decide what you, what matters more to you, to Mother Superior." Then, then we have. Then I think it's Eddie's. Like they're here. Yeah, we need to get you out of here, and all of the nuns are like, "Let's make a plan," and then. Yeah, Curtis is like, you three are idiots, put the penguin down, because yeah. he's got, I think it's TJ with the yeah. stuffed penguin. Why are you trying to romance them? Because they come on like as if they're... As if know. they're going to do really well with this. Yeah. You're not going to romance a nun. Put those things away, put these on, and he gives all three of them habits to yeah. wear, which is hilarious. Yes. But this is the way that they try to get in. And then we get... This is another thing. I think this sequence works better... So this is where we get a big change. We don't have a final moment in the casino. The nuns have come to save Dolores. No, here. No, it's happened the other way around. So they've come to the church yes. rather than Dolores going to Reno. Yes. But yeah, so we have 
a chaotic series of events where the nuns essentially home alone these guys yeah which is great i love it like and the staging of it's so precise so you got a moment where they're following like the incense thing and they all just like then turn they trip people over and they eventually tie them all up they use the rope to tie them up Uh, oh there's that one nun who doesn't really who's kind of like kooky and crazy and doesn't no it's a younger nun who wears who has glasses oh no she's not younger okay she looks super young she which looks is very super, but she's not and, and but she has this kind of like she doesn't speak she, yeah, yeah she's sister mary martin of tours she was played by laurie Haley fox yes who's great yeah she was great but you have this weird exchange between her and pablo and she's like got nunchucks which is great because nunchucks yeah and she's Look, like translating she's... oh i think the habit was very flattering but it's, it's the way she translates the bit where um Pablo's threatening to shoot Pablo's threatening in Spanish to kill a nun, I guess. No, it's not nuns. It's like choir boys. It's like altar boys. Oh, it's the altar boys, yeah. yeah. The booty short altar boys. And so she's translating it. He's like, tell me where she is. Do this, do this. And then she turns around and basically shouts at him in Spanish until he puts the gun down. My favourite thing is that they have the offering bags. Yes. Which I vividly remember from my childhood, them being passed around. There was nothing better. This is such <laughs> this is such a niche uh, bit of content. But I vividly remember, like, there was nothing better when I was a kid than when you were sat in church. This is so sad. And they would pass this bag around. And people do it hand over hand because yeah. there's two handles. So you pass and then you pass... If, if I got to be the person to pass it to the next people. Yeah. And my mum would always be like, here's a pound to put into it as it goes past you. Like, that was the most exciting bit about church, honestly. It's giving the money away. Not the money, but like getting to pass yeah. the thing. It was great. That's so sad, isn't it? <laughs> How depressing yeah. is that? <laughs> this whole sequence culminates with Curtis holding Dolores at gunpoint and then all the nuns at gunpoint. And they're like... You want her? You've got to go through me. He's like, I have no issues whatsoever with straight up murdering all of these nuns. And then the mother superior stands in front of her yes. and does her this woman is a nun speech. Yes. Which is great. They sing Sister Act Reprise together. Yeah. Which is so nice. It like is the really whole nice. chorus of them singing it is so gorgeous. Mary Lazarus joining in, who we haven't really talked about. Sister Mary Lazarus is great in yeah, this. Yeah, she's very good. She's so funny. Yeah, there's there's a lot of like great background. She does all the rapping. <laughs> yeah, she does. There's a lot of great background moments with like the other nuns, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, just as this is great moment, so they all get on their knees to pray because they know that they've not changed Curtis's opinion, and he's aiming at them. And then you hear the gunshot, mm-hmm. and you see, and you're like, "There's a moment of like what?" And then you see him recoil. And Eddie shot him. You know, Eddie's got his gun back. Yeah. And he shoots him. It's a really triumphant moment. And he's like, you're going away for a long time. And that's it. Curtis is off. Mm-hmm. As much as I like this sequence, I am going to pick a few nits here. Knit a few, a few picks? Pick a few nits. Sure. So it's called nit picking. Yeah, that's, no, I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Trying to wrap my brain around that uh, metaphor. The Pope is in the building at this point in time, correct? They are are about to go on and perform for the Pope. I believe 
that what they said right before, you know, when they're trying to get into the church to do all of this, mm-hmm. they can't get in even though they've got all their romantic stuff because there's all reporters outside waiting right. for the Pope to arrive. So, this, so I would assume that, no, he's not here yet. This is going to be one of the most secure buildings on the earth at this point in time. Mm-hmm. It just is. There's no way around it. In advance of the Pope getting there, it is going to be very the secure. The issue is we're not in the church for this entire sequence. We're in the convent. However, they are two separate yes, buildings. But nonetheless... But yeah, you're right. Nonetheless. Suspended to belief. <laughs> if a gunshot goes off in where the nuns are in the convent, they are abandoning their plan to bring the Pope there. No, because the police have apprehended the suspect. Yeah, I still don't think the Pope is, is you know, kind of... But either way, it's a very slight nitpick. I do like this as a sequence, and I really do love seeing the nuns, like, home alone. This, it's great. It, it's really fun. You know, it is. It, it is their home. They are Kevin McAllister. They are protecting their home, mm-hmm. and I love it. It's really fun. Um, we obviously then, the conductor ducks down, and he comes up as the Pope, and it's brilliant... And the costumes where they come in with their sequined habits, you know, in their rainbow habit. It's absolutely brilliant. And we get the final mm. number, which is... Spread the, Spread the love, love around. around. I love this song. Yeah, it's a really fun way to end this show. We have some really good visual gags in this song. And also because it's the big finale number, so everyone's in it. Yes. Including... Curtis and the boys. But there again, they're in jumpsuits like the black and white stuff, but there's a sequined as well. Sparkly sequined prison jumpsuits, which are so funny. And that they get... Who is it? I think it's Mary Lazarus and Mother Superior get walked on by the booty short altar boys. Just incredible. It is. So, you know, I do want to kind of shout out Morgan Large, who is the set and costume designer. Like, the costumes and the sets are brilliant in this. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that you've got such amazing costumes in this. You know, you would kind of worry maybe that with it being Sister Act, the habits would be quite boring and there might not be much to do. Mm -hmm. I think they've done a a great job, you know, with this, just making it look... Definitely. ...disco. Um, So I really enjoyed the costumes in the set here I enjoyed the whole show truth be told good who is your MVP in this one it's been so long I forget the order we do it in who's your MVP normally we do song first I think I know but well, let's change it up a little bit mostly because that's what came to me first who's your MVP because this is a tough one yeah I, as I, much as I really like Leslie Joseph and Sa- uh, Sandra Marvin, I am going to go with Clive Rowe just because I think it was brilliant. I, I think he was absolutely brilliant as Eddie and I love his his number and there's just a real likability to him. You are rooting for him. You know, he's so normal and it's nice. Mm-hmm. And he's a character that didn't have much in the film. And I think it's a really good addition to this, you know, that he ends up with Dolores. I think it's really nice. I think mine's going to be Sandra Marvin. She was incredible. I really want them to do a cast recording of this. Mm-hmm. I agree. I know because it's a tour that's unlikely. Yeah. But, but 
She's just so good. She's very good. Her voice is great. And again, I like the... Like, I remember liking her as Becky in Waitress, but just in this, oh, she's just incredible. She's so funny. She is. She's her got comedic great timing, timing is just brilliant. And the way that, I mean, obviously, you know, it takes more than one person to play off of each other, but just the way that she plays off of everyone around her, so good. Yeah. No, I really like her. I think she's absolutely brilliant. And I would, you know, love to hear that, that stage recording of this cast. I'm also going to say it's like secondary MVPs, you know, Pablo, TJ, Joey. The boys, yeah. The boys. Which just mm-hmm. every time they were on stage, I knew I was going to have fun. Yeah. Which then I guess is going to lead us to our which role would you play? So I guess we know which role you'd play. song? Well, we'll do that one first. We'll do the character stuff. We know which role you'd play because you auditioned for Mary Roberts or Mary Lazarus. I did not audition for Mary Mary... Lazarus. I told you there's so many Sister Marys. It's confusing. They're all Mary. I know. Mary Lazarus. (laughs) Again, it's like Neverland all over again. Mary Roberts or Patrick mm-hmm. is who you'd want to play in this. Yeah, but I'd never get cast as either of them. Would you, I mean, as an older performer, would you want to play Mother Superior at all? Or is that just like not a role that you're interested in? I, I've said this before. I think it was when we did Billy Elliot that I talked about. Be the, I want to be, be the, Nan. Yeah. I think in this, I would love to play Mary Lazarus when I'm much older. Thank you very much. Yes. But yeah. They're great roles. Mother Superior is hilarious. Again, you've got to have really good comedic timing for Mm -hmm. these roles. And I just love it. I have two roles that I... Well, I guess three. You know, don't get me wrong. I would love to be Curtis. And Curtis is one of my roles I think is up there as somebody I would love to be. You know, I'd love to do the... You know, the the, when I find my baby song. Mm -hmm. However, I would love, 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 love to be either TJ or Joey as well. Mm -hmm. I think they're great characters. And maybe that's just because Tom Hopcroft and Bradley Judge... Like their performance is great, and I just yeah. looked at it and I was like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I, it's more like I, I guess with that, I wouldn't make the character my own. I would emulate them, which isn't necessarily the right thing to do, but I love that. It's also I, I want to just pick up like Jeremy Seacombe. I think as Curtis, which again, like the name Curtis Jackson is great because Fifty Cent. Um, I didn't know that, but okay. Uh, yeah, his real name is, is, is Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. Is, that's his real name. <laughs> I genuinely think when he had his wig and like his whole like shades and everything on, he looked like Matt Berry. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Matt Berry in this. I, do you know, I think Matt Berry... We know he can sing. Matt Berry would be great as uh, Curtis Jackson. I also think he'd be great as Monsignor O'Hara. Mm-hmm. I just think he... Oh, I mean, we are huge Matt Berry fans. We love Matt Berry. Okay, so now to the more traditional. What song is your favourite? Lady in the Long Black Dress. <laughs> yeah, I think between that and... I've added that to my... I have never cared about that song before now. Yeah, it's, it's it, because again, it's one of those that you visualise it now. Mm-hmm. For me, it's between that and uh, When I Find My Baby. I think they're the most singable Mm-hmm. mine's Lady in the Long Black Dress and then Sunday Morning Fever because that song constantly gets stuck in my head Yeah, that line, shake it like you're Mary Magdalene gets stuck in my head in that that line plays yeah. on repeat in my head sometimes <laughs> I could be that guy as well as up there as well as a great song but I think as well that's probably more for the set piece as a whole rather than just the song 
We obviously now have to do the very difficult task of what is our Skip It song, considering it is Alan Menken. Yep. Um, truthfully, I like Sunday Morning Fever. It's very long. That's my, you know, my one critique of it, but it's not my Skip song. I really do think I'm inclined to say The Life I Never Led is my Skip song. Just because it happens so late in the game that it doesn't have the impact that one would want it to. Mm -hmm. I think I agree with you. I would also maybe say that... Well, so if I was listening to this album in the car... On my way somewhere, I would probably skip I Haven't Got a Prayer. I, I, I did consider that one because I think it's more musical theatre than it is disco. I think if you have the right, if the cast recording, I, I can't say uh, for the quality of it because I've not listened to it yet on a cast recording. If the cast recording Great. is good, I think I'll be fine listening to it again because I do like performative songs like that. Mm -hmm. But I can absolutely see your point. If you've got a very slow more traditional musical theatre one. Especially because it's bookended yeah. by Lady in the Long Back Dress and then Bless Our Show, which I think is good fun. Yeah, you've got like two very, you know, it is kind of forgettable Quite upbeat in its, bits. You know, in its space, isn't it? So, overall star rating for you with this one? Five. Yeah, five stars as well mm. for me. I had a really good time. I know I've, I've, I've nitpicked a bit, but, you know, that's what we do. We review this. Um... I, I had a great time watching this. Yeah, good. So, uh, we are going to get to 13 the musical eventually. But we're going to have a, a two-week delay in that. Mm -hmm. Because we've got some really good shows that we're seeing live coming yes, up. Yes, on the horizon. Um, obviously, this one was delayed. We'd hoped to have this out a week ago. Um, we didn't. You know, uh, I gave you a preview with my review up on our Buy Me A Coffee page, where I'm trying to, you know, get in the habit of writing a review for every show we see. It's difficult. I'm not a writer. And, you know, barely, I, I'm, I can barely talk at times, as you'll have heard on this show. But, um, yeah, you can go out and check. Like, a lot of our live shows, you will see um, reviews that I've written for them. And, you know, let us know what you think if you, you go over to our Buy Me A Coffee page and read those reviews. It's absolutely free. For you to read them. Um, 13 we're going to delay for a few weeks. Next week we are returning to the new Victoria Theatre to open up the candy shop. <laughs> I know you think you're making a good reference. It's candy store not. isn't it? It's, oh god it's candy store. Welcome to my candy it's store. Into... Whatever. <laughs> Danny knows vaguely oh no you will have to talk about it when we were at the theater seeing sister act we were talking about how next week we're seeing heathers and i asked danny to explain to me the plot of heathers and you'll have to tune in next week to hear how wrong he was <laughs> i guess we can amazing. also talk about some tiktok content as well with that as well with heathers yeah. there's a lot to talk about with the preamble for heathers this might be a very long episode mm -hmm. you're the, gonna love it <laughs> the week after my birthday week we i've got a very we've got a very long week so we're launching this monday mm -hmm. the 6th on tuesday the 7th we are seeing heathers and on wednesday the 8th we are going to london to see moulin rouge mm -hmm. i'm so excited, I'm so excited. Um, and happy then, birthday to me 
Well, it was, it was a Christmas present for both of us. It was birthday, wasn't it? Was it was Christmas. Oh, so it was okay. You got that. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we're, we're going to be seeing Moulin Rouge. So the episode covering that will come out uh, on the 20th, the week after my birthday. And then on the 27th, we will do 13 the musical. Mm-hmm. And then we'll find something special for the 3rd of April as it's our birthday episode, which, you know, does feel a little undeserved because we, we skipped February, but, you know. Yeah, like, you will live. You know, sometimes sometimes you got to look after yourself. And I would say that to all listeners, is look after yourselves. Mm-hmm. The world's a, a scary place sometimes. And, you know, just, just be good to yourselves and do some self-affirmations and reach out if you need it because life is hard. Yeah, and we're always here for a chat. Yes. Um, so we've got some exciting content up on the horizon. Uh, three weeks of some, well, two weeks of certainly, I'm sure, will be amazing shows. And then 13 The Musical, we certainly have views that we can't wait to talk about. <laughs> um, so many things to say. But as always, you can get yourself involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram, at It's A Musical Pod, or on our email address, it's a musicalpod at gmail.com. Uh, let us know your thoughts on Sister Act and these upcoming uh, features and if there's anything you would like for us to get to April, May, June, July time you know, are there any musical films that you want to hear us talk about we're of course going to return to Disney and I've got no idea anymore what comes after Peter Pan possibly Sleeping Beauty I don't know, completely lost the plot at this point I think there's something before that Um, let, let us know if there's anything you'd like us to cover as always, you can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app, on the podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, GoodPods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you are impressed that I can still ride this bike and still remember that list like it was yesterday, head over to podchaser.com or any of those platforms and leave us a review. Hmm. Go me. Well done. Uh, I'm really. I, actually, it made me really, really proud of myself. Like, good. One take. One take is all it takes. Sure. Until next week, where we will step into the candy store. Did I get it right this time? Mm-hmm. We will see you same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday. And special shout out to Neil McDonald, the musical director the sister act on tour and also of course the pope (laughs) yes a starring role if ever there was one